The NCAA tournament is in full swing, and we have another locked-on break bracket breakdown as the number three seed Gonzaga Bulldogs beat 14 seed Grand Canyon 82 to 70. I'm Isaac Shade, and we're joined by the host of Locked On Zags, Andy Patton. And Andy. Out of the gate, I thought Gonzaga was just going to pull away. It was a 10-2 lead, but then GCU goes on a 10-0 run and gives Gonzaga a lot of trouble before the Bulldogs take a 40-36 to halftime lead. What was Grand Canyon able to do to bother the Bulldogs in the first half? Well, they stopped turning the ball over. That was a big part of it. They, I think they had four turnovers in their first four possessions uh, of that game, and it caused all, Gonzaga's defense is causing all sorts of problems. They were running that press that we saw them use so effectively against St. Mary's, both in the regular season and in that WCC championship. But then Grand Canyon settled in. They got into their half-court offense. They run a very slow kind of methodical offense. It's actually fairly similar to St. Mary's. And what they did is they take 28, 29 seconds and force Gonzaga to play defense the entire length of the shot clock. I think they had three possessions in the first half, in the first half of the first half, where they scored literally at the shot clock buzzer. So they were just kind of hitting shots right at the end, had some open looks. Gonzaga is not a, a great defensive team. They really tightened up in the second half. But early, uh, we saw Ray Harrison start hitting his shots. We saw Walter Ellis, the son of LaFonso Ellis. He started hitting some of his shots. And, and uh, you know, they're a good scoring team. There's a reason they, they shot 38% from deep in the season. Uh, and and they, they showed it in that first half there. But Gonzaga was able to bounce back. Yes, it was neat to see shots of Fonz there in the stands mm -hmm. cheering on his boy. It's just cool to see them in that environment. But Andy, Mark Few and the staff unlocked something at halftime mm -hmm. that allowed Gonzaga to race out in the second half. And I don't think the 12-point final margin does justice mm -hmm. to how much Gonzaga dominated the second half, getting out to a 20-point lead. What, what changes did they make that enabled this team to show much better in the final 20 minutes? D defensive discipline, I think, was a big part of it. Just not making those mistakes we, we saw in the first half where they were kind of a step behind or a rotation slow and, the, and Grand Canyon was swinging the ball around and getting an open look. They, they were attempting to do that in the second half, but Gonzaga was just more on those spots. And then I think like a, a really intense dedication to to winning the battle of the boards and Gonzaga obliterated Grand Canyon on the board that was a huge part of this game 13 more rebounds total in fact Gonzaga had more defensive rebounds 29 than Grand Canyon had total rebounds uh, with 26 for them so it was one of those performances where, where Gonzaga started using their size Drew Timmy Anton Watson of course uh, both tremendous players all season long uh, and then and Watson had a double-double. Also, Julian Strother had a double-double. Monstrous performance from him offensively. That's what he's getting a lot of attention for. But he also had 10 defensive rebounds in this game, which really helped Gonzaga limit Grand Canyon to only one opportunity uh, each time down the floor, allowed Gonzaga to get into their offensive sets. And, and we knew Grand Canyon was going to struggle to defend on the block. And if Gonzaga was pretty easily able to get those points uh, on the block and able to not let Grand Canyon get second chance opportunities. That's how they were able to kind of run away with it early in that second half and, and coast from that point forward. Andy, we'll get more to Drew Timmy in a minute. Cause that's <laughs> the dude everybody knows and everybody wants to talk about, but let's go back to Julian Strother <laughs> who drops 28 in this yep. game. Uh, that double W talked about 10 rebounds, but he does it on a very efficient nine of 15 shooting three <laughs> of six from deep. And you already mentioned Antoine Anton Watson, excuse me, had his own double-double, 14 yep. and 11. Specific to Strother, what mm -hmm. is it that he does that enables Gonzaga and Drew Timmy to do what they need to do? 
He started to be a lot more confident looking for his shot, like right off the dribble, looking for his shot as soon as he gets the basketball. And I think early in the year, there was some tentativeness, perhaps because the unwillingness to take shots away from Drew Timmy. And, and what we've seen kind of evolve for, for Strother and, and to a lesser extent for, for Malachi Smith and Rasir Bolton as well is just this understanding of like my offense and my ability to get my shots and go downhill and get towards the basket is opening up more opportunities for Drew Timmy. And mm-hmm. I think that we saw the offense start to develop that way. And, and you know, I can point to a, a game against the University of Portland on the road against Portland when Julian Strother dropped 40. And that was kind of the game that really woke people up to like, hey, Gonzaga's better when they're not just overly reliant on Drew Timmy. It's easy to get into that rhythm. It's easy to just give him the ball and let him go to work. But Drew averaged a career high in assists this year, and that was by design. That was intentional to let him facilitate the offense more. And when they can get those high ball side-to-side screen actions, get Strother coming off a screen and moving toward the basket, uh, Mark Fuse has said in the media that he his goal for the team is to shoot 80% on floaters. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know if I've ever seen Julian Strother miss a floater. He is like 99% on that shot. So if he gets moving sideways off of a screen towards the basket, he is absolute money on those shots. And his confidence to do that, to take those looks and pull up from three when it's there, has really opened up Gonzaga's offense in a way that, I mean, there's a reason they're the number one offense in the country. And, and they're, they look pretty unbeatable when they play that style on that end of the floor. And, and you talked about Drew Timmy. Here's what I love about him. It felt to me like he had a really quiet game. And then you look up at the end mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's got 21 points yep. on his own efficient 8 of 13 shooting. Mm-hmm. I mean, this whole team was efficient. 53.6% from the field, 46.7 from three and 78.9 at the free throw line. Mm-hmm. What is it that Drew Timmy does as almost like this unheralded star that you just look up and he's got his numbers? For Drew in this game in particular, he crashed the offensive glass really well. Four offensive rebounds, easy putbacks on those. I think every single one of them was basically an instant putback. So you talk about, you know, four of your eight field goals come basically uncontested at the rim because you're grabbing the ball off the boards. That helps him tremendously. Beyond that, he's just so cerebral and so intelligent at knowing what opportunities he should take to attack the basket versus what other opportunities he should kick it out, find a shooter, find a cutter. He had a phenomenal pass to Bolton early in the game that unfortunately Rasir was unable to handle and it turned into a turnover. But it, like that's the kind of stuff that his, people who think, oh, he's kind of the same player he was as a freshman, that stuff is a lot different. He has evolved tremendously in that kind of capacity. And in this game, I think Grand Canyon tried to double and most possessions they did, but occasionally Gonzaga's offense would get him the ball in a spot where they kind of didn't have the ability to double and Drew's ability to recognize that instantly know, hey, this is an opportunity where I can go to the basket and you know either get fouled or get a bucket. And Grand Canyon was working really hard to not foul him, so Drew just took the buckets. Uh, he still went five of seven from the free throw line. He missed his first two, nailed the next five after that, which... Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, if Drew Timmy's shooting 75 plus percent from the free throw line and the rest of the tournament, that is bad news for the teams that are playing them because that's one of his biggest weak spots. All right, Andy, very quick look ahead. Just one thought. We don't know who Gonzaga's next opponent will be yet. TCU Arizona State is the last tip of Friday night. Regardless of opponent, what is it that you are looking for for Gonzaga moving forward? Continuing to put pressure on opposing offenses defensively. I think that's something that Gonzaga has been so reticent to to be kind of the the enforcer defensively. They kind of let the other team dictate the offensive flow and then just react to that. And it's why Randy Bennett and the Gales have beaten them a fair amount of times over the last few years because that's what Randy and that team wants to do. For TCU, for Arizona State, whomever it may be, if Gonzaga can force them out of their offensive rhythm, 
This is not a great defensive team, but if they can do enough to disrupt those teams, it, they only need to play defense, really, really good defense for like a six-minute stretch. I honestly believe if Gonzaga plays great defense for six minutes every game, their offense is enough that they're going to win pretty much every team that they play. For more on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Zags. And for a full view of the bracket and all the college basketball action, make sure to subscribe to the Locked on College Basketball Podcast. It's all part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.